Breakdown. I'm your host, Mikey CLT, live from the Hive, joined by my homie and best friend, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. What's up, brother? Not too much, man. Um, just uh, enjoying the month of March so far, uh, you know, uh, but... Um... I guess we should lead right off with it, man. Some crazy, crazy news coming from uh, the NCAA amidst uh, you know what's going on with the you know coronavirus and uh, you know all of the you know the scares that it's brought. They've uh, you know brought down essentially the solution of uh, they're going to keep the tournaments going, you know uh, basketball and hockey, but uh, they're going to be in empty arenas, which is like an unprecedented choice, and it kind of blows my mind. I mean, I. You know, I get the you know that safety is 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 of paramount importance, but that's just going to be so strange. I mean, like I you know I don't I don't think in our lifetimes we've ever really experienced something like that. So, you know, how do you think that's going to be? So, at like you know this kind of just broke before we started recording, so I didn't really have a chance to really think deeply about this. But yeah. the first thing that came to mind is that like all these underdogs and Cinderella stories playing basically in a neutral site yeah, is going to have a huge advantage for them mm-hmm. because, you know, if you're the Ohio States and the Syracuses and, you know, obviously we're not a basketball podcast, but like those big <laughs> basketball schools, yeah, their fans travel all over the country yep, yep. for their team. And, you know, the bigger schools will fill the majority of the arena. So you got to think like, so for example, last night, Hofstra, our local team, punched a ticket to the to the tournament. Yeah. So like a Hofstra who, you know, most of the kids on that team probably didn't go D1 because of like academic stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that's how it usually works. Like they, they're missing... Like, maybe they didn't develop as quickly as some of the guys that went, you know, for the big D1 major schools. Yeah. But some of the other kids that play for the, these smaller mid-major conferences are usually kids that got a little baggage and whatnot, but could still play ball with the best of them. Agreed, so, yep. So the fact that they're going to be playing in a neutral site, I think we might actually see more upsets this year than we have in years past. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I also think. You know, in terms of of performance, I mean, you know, you might see, you might not see as, um, you know, the depth in in ball that you usually see during March Madness. I mean, like a lot of times, you know, you feed off of of the crowd's energy, you know, and and it's even in college. I mean, it's got to be a difficult transition to all of a sudden, you know, play in a in an area where you can, you know, hear hear a pin drop, and not only that, but I mean, you know, like you're going to hear coaches and assistant coaches like, you know, screaming encouragement and calling plays. And like, you know, now it's going to be like right there in the scope of what everyone's going to be able to hear. And I think it's just going to make for some very interesting TV, but also for a very interesting experience for a lot of these college kids, because, you know, I'm sure that's like something you look forward to. I mean, you know, if you go to a, a D one school, like a Kansas or a Kentucky, or, you know, where like perennially, you know, these teams are, are, you know, number one, number two. And I mean, you probably, you know, wait all the way from September to be like, oh man, I, you know, I can't wait for March. You know, I'm going to, 
play at you know Madison Square Garden or the Staples Center in front of you know twenty thirty thousand people, and now your dreams are crushed. You know, I mean, for the love of the sport, of course, I understand that, but at the same time, it's like you know a lot of these kids. I mean, you know, obviously they're they're not getting paid to play; they're playing because of what their future might bring. But at the same time, it's like imagine you know resting all your laurels on thinking you're going to play in front of all these people, and now you just don't get to. I mean, it's got to be heartbreaking. And I hate to say it, but I think NCAA is the first and not the last to be doing this. I think other leagues are going to follow the lead. And mm-hmm. I, I, I already heard that the NBA is talking about possibly um, like extending the season and like finishing later on. Yeah, I know the uh, the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, announced that uh, I think they said for the foreseeable future uh, they'll be playing all their home games uh, will be empty arenas. Yeah, so crazy stuff going on. Um, to kind of tie it full circle, um, a few years ago, uh, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers were playing down in Charlotte, and Charlotte mm-hmm. got a random snowstorm and random ice storm. Oh, wow. And they actually decided to play in the empty arena just because, like, Charlotte doesn't do well with snow, and there mm-hmm. was actually snow, like, sure. other, compared to other snowstorms where, like, usually just the thought of it shuts the city down. Gotcha. So they played in front of an empty arena in, in front of no no fans, and yeah. it made, like, ESPN top, you know, top 10 plays and, like, mm-hmm. got all this crazy publicity, but... It's crazy to think that now this is a a real thing and this is reality and uh it's just kind of the state of of the country and the state of the world really. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um and it's going to be yeah, and you're absolutely right. It's going to kind of be interesting to see what the ramifications of this are for some of the other pro sports and major sports. I mean, um you know, obviously, you know, really next month or really in 6 weeks you've got, you know, hockey playoffs are right around the corner. And, um, you know, who knows what they're going to do? I mean, are they going to make the decision to, you know, stop the, um, you know, stop it now and then continue it? I don't know, man. It's going to be a, a kind of wild thing to see. Uh, and uh, like I said, it, I think it's going to have major, major ramifications on the money that, you know, these these big uh, networks are bringing in and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, just had to kind of share it with you. And, you know, if you guys have any thoughts as you're listening, you know, we'd love to hear from you in the comments just to kind of see where you're thinking. But um, on that note, kind of sad, nebulous, weird note, uh, we are super excited. Uh, You know, we have our guests coming up. We've got uh, Nate from Such Gold. Uh, If you've never got out there, listen to Such Gold. Such Gold is an awesome band. Um, I mean... Rochesterians. Yes. Yeah, they're they're from Rochester, uh, all the way way up there. Uh, Nate is a Sabres fan, and we're going to chat Sabres hockey with him, but we're also going to talk about, uh, you know, how such gold has evolved over the years and, you know, what's next on the plate for them and, um, you know, a bunch of other cool stuff. So uh, we're stoked that you tuned in. Uh, You got anything to add, Mike? No, that's it. So here's our interview with Nate Derby of such gold.
the box with our boy, Nate Derby of Such Gold. Good old Rochesterian. Nate, how we doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be talking to you guys. I know it took a lot of work and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, missed emails and conversations <laughs> to actually get this together. And I, I do apologize. You know, uh, this year has been very crazy for us. So thank you for, for being patient with us. Yeah. So like we said, uh, Tom and I are, are huge fans of your band. So we wanted to make this work for sure. And uh, you started your year off by recording a new album, right? Yeah, we are. We have actually been working on that for, I mean, geez, um, it's getting to be almost a year now at this point. Um, essentially, what we're doing while recording it is we're re really still in the writing process as well. Um, you know, this is it's a little bit of a new procedure for us where we, you know, I've got two guys in Rochester and I got two guys in New York City. And we're all in our 30s and, you know, some of us approaching 40, you know, faster than than we'd like to admit. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just yeah, it's just it's just hard to get everybody together. And um, John, uh, our, our bass player, is a fantastic producer, engineer. He has a studio in Brooklyn. Um, he you know, we're making the record with him, you know, and he's so he's been so busy this last year with. A lot of really great projects. Uh, he did the last Can't Swim EP, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, he he did the most recent Drug Church record. Um, there's some, you know, a, just a ton of stuff in the last year that he, you know, he's put his name on that all is fantastic. And I'm really happy for him to be to be doing such, um, you know, such great projects. But it also means that we we can't always dedicate uh, each other's time to getting together to make this happen. So. Uh, you know, last year, spring in between tours and whatnot and in the summer, um, we were able to get together, you know, just kind of start demoing out tons of ideas that we had uh, doing it all in the studio and just kind of piecing it together as we go along. Uh, and now that we've hit 2020, we're really finally in the in the stages of like being happy with how the songs have come along. We're tracking final, you know, guitars and the drums are done and you know, we're we're actually still really working on vocal melodies and lyrics right now. So sure. there's still so much work to be done on this record. And but it's it's been very exciting to see it um, start to come together. You know, as and and really each each time that we get together and put, start putting new and new elements together on it, where I'm getting more and more excited about it. Um, and I think it's taking so long too because we are working with so many different so many songs. Like we're. Yeah. we're we're trying to do like 13, 14 songs or something like that. And they're not all going to make the record, but you know, we want to just get as much done as we can. And like whatever's left over basically like shelf it until we're ready to then like put that on another release in the next year, a couple of years or whatever. We just want to keep putting out material. Sure. Uh, and, yeah. And, and I think that's the, that's the, that's a cool thing because I mean, you know, having kind of the, the pedigree that, that such gold has, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you're not like, uh, you know, a band that like is is new, like a, a new band in this atmosphere that needs to feel pressured to like constantly be putting out music to, you know, to, right. to get on these tours and do all this stuff. Um, but, you know, the nice thing is, like I said, you guys can take your time and really, you know, create the kind of atmosphere that you want. And uh, I mean, that's kind of a, a question I really wanted to ask you, you know, so like yeah. when I look at your discography, like over over such goals career, right? You know, if we look at, let's say, Stand tall, right? So we look at stand tall mm -hmm. all the way through deep in a hole. And I mean, 
kind of the maturation of the music has been like outstanding. I mean, I, I like putting labels on stuff kind of sucks, but like you almost right. hear a lot of people, you know, talk talk about such gold now is almost like progressive punk rock. I mean, like, is that right. like a term that you kind of feel captures what you're doing, or is that like a broad stroke term? You know, like what what would you guys say? I think that definitely makes sense. You know, I think we're, you know, uh, it, we call it like melodic punk or we do call mm -hmm. ourselves melodic hardcore, I guess. You know, I don't know. It's just it's it is very difficult because if you listen to a such gold record, I mean, even as far back as um, like 2012 with Misadventures. Yeah, sure. There are, you know, there are so many different types of punk and even hardcore elements on all of the, you know, on uh, amongst those records. The new sidewalk is no different. That record is in general, um, you know, it was really dark sounding, yeah. I think for mm -hmm. us, you know, a lot of dissonant things. And I mean, we did, we, we made that record with Bill Stevenson from Descendants and Jason Livermore at the Blasted Room. And I mean, that was such an incredible dream. And, um, you know, that, like that record, we just wanted to make, that was like our, like, we want to be propaganda. We're kind yeah, of, yeah, like, yeah. We want to just, we want to just go fucking all out and just make the most insane record. And, you know, in the last few months, we've actually hit the five-year mark on that record. And, you know, I listened back to it, and I, I I, still just can't believe that we made that record. You know what I mean? It just, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> there, are, there are things that we did on that record where I just don't, I don't even know how, you know, how we wrote it, how we recorded it. It's just like, I'm so stoked still to this day with how well it came out. And we even tried practicing a few of those songs to maybe try and play on on you know up, uh, some upcoming shows that we had and we just didn't have a lot of time you know it was just, we were on a time crunch and yeah. we had discovered very quickly we were like we actually <laughs> we, we actually need way more time to fucking sit down and relearn these new sidewalk songs because they are not easy to play no and at and all that's, and that's you know? so funny that you say that because like listening to those songs like they're not like they're not like, <laughs> right. like they're not like easy at all like there's nothing about them like they're really complex and they've got all these layers and i mean like i remember the first time um i listened to um to like engulfed in flames right so like just like yeah. and, and then of course like you know again like my years in 2014 are a lot different than they are now uh, sure. and you know like coming off of of course like you know the older stuff you've done again you know stand tall and 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 you know pedestals and you know all those split songs that you guys did it like Mm -hmm. You know, it hit me, and, and the first time I, I heard it, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, right, but right. like, but but not not in like a negative way. It was just like, like, what is going on? And then like, when you get <laughs> yeah. when you get through the whole record, though, I mean, it's just like you can really sit back and look at it as like a just a like a whole kind of piece of art, and you're just like, "Wow!" Like, you know, these guys like blew my face off at some of these times, and like other times, like you're just listening to like the little time signature nuances and all the ways right. that you're kind of shifting, you know, from playing, you know, your, your straight up diatonic stuff. And it's just like, right. It, it's so wild. And, um, and it's kind of funny cause you kind of hit a, a bunch of like, I, I kind of wrote down some talking parts, uh, talking sure. points, I should say. And, uh, one of the ones I wanted to touch on and you already kind of brought it up is, um, working with, with Bill Stevenson on, you know, the new sidewalk. Cause I mean, like, I, I guess you could probably say that 90% of like the, punk bands, melodic punk bands, pop punk bands probably wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for the descendants. So what was that experience like for you guys? 
that was um i mean being able to make a record at the blasting room you know it was it was all of our favorite bands were were making their records there in the last 10 years or so so when we had when we had a relationship with razor and tie who was the label at the time you know they mm-hmm. they got us um the money to do misadventures with steve evitz who again another well, i mean what an insane roster of bands snapcase cylinder escape yep. plan oh yeah saves a day lifetime i mean you name it like you can't even you know you know throw a rock without hitting a fucking sick band that he's done a record with yep and sure. then with the second full length, you know, generally as part of a contract, there's more money, which is yep. always good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it did cost a lot of fucking money to make a record with Bill and Jason, but these those were two, those are two of the best in the game as far as what we do. You know, the kind of music that we make. So it was just a not not only just to be in the presence of you know the Bill, uh, you know one of the most seminal punk drummers. Of, I mean, he was in Black Flag for Christ's sake. You know, what I mean, yeah, right? I'm yeah. Able to, eat Thai food with him and just have conversations about, you know, what, what it was like to be in these bands and, you know, and, and one of my favorite moments, um, you know, there's a studio a and a studio B there and studio B um, they do a lot of vocals and they also use it as kind of a live room for, for pre-production. Yeah. And, you know, we were just all in the room, just hammering through all these songs and bills in the control room, just kind of recording demos and getting a vibe, you know, just trying to get a real vibe about what this record's going to sound like. And I just remember looking over and he just had the biggest fucking smile on his face. Like he was just so stoked. And I, I mean, I, being able to describe that feeling is, well, I mean, it's impossible. You know what I mean? And that really was the beginning of that recording process. And I knew that we were going to have um, an incredible experience because they were so stoked on the project. They were, you know, because everyone wants to record at the blasting room if you got enough money and they, not not for nothing they do you know work with a lot of bands that maybe they just don't really care about you know what mm-hmm. i mean i mean that every every producer every studio is going to have that oh, you course. know you got yeah. you got to make money but but to really find out like you know that the, these two guys who are our heroes i mean jason has made just you know I, not a you know he's not like a seminal punk drummer like like mm-hmm. bill but i mean he is just he's got his name on so many unbelievable records as well um and just, you know, to have these two guys invested and really stoked in what you're doing makes the the process so much more enjoyable and so much more rewarding. Um, and I, you know, we don't certainly have the money to go there again uh, mm-hmm. to, to make that record. And I don't I wouldn't even necessarily want to because we have we have John now and we're doing this almost essentially. Uh, outside of funding, you know, we we do have a new record label that we're working with. We're doing this, you know, um, very DIY. Yeah. And John John's making the record at his studio, but we do uh, he does go to the blasting room to mix uh, the record and master the record alongside Jason because he's oh, that's awesome. he, yeah because he developed such a great relationship uh, with them while we were there. And so he actually pays money, you know, out of his pocket to go to Fort Collins, you know, mix and master the record there. And he also uses it really as a master class to sit alongside Jason to to learn more and become a better, you know, engineer. Yeah, um, exactly. So it's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's very beneficial for, for everybody in that case. So I think we're going to continue to work with them in that capacity of like their names or like, you know, the blasting room and Jason Livermore at least are going to have their names on our records, hopefully always moving forward. Sure. I just don't think, you know, it, it's probably not likely that we'll ever maybe make another record physically there. 
Um, regardless, you know, it was such a cool experience. Um, that was such a, a transformative record for the band um, in both positive and negative ways. And, you know, in the positive ways, like you said, where you listened to the record and said, I, what, what the fuck is going on? I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what we wanted people to, to see. They, I wanted to see, you know, have people see us as so much more than the band that we were with stand tall and, and pedestals and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, cause those, those are great. They have their own, they have their place. But, you know, in the time that we made New Sidewalk, I mean, we we didn't we don't really like listen to that kind of music anymore by that point. And sure. we have new mem you know, we have new members in bands, the band with with uh, new influences. And, you know, we're into math rock and, and all, you know what I mean? All this all this kind of crazy shit that we wanted to try and incorporate and push ourselves to the absolute limit as musicians uh, to be able to, you know, to make this record. And um I mean, I digress. I mean, that was, you know, that was just such a great, um, you know, great part of that, of that experience. Um, but it also alienated a lot of our fans at the same time, you know, um, I think people were expecting maybe more of a misadventures 2.0, yeah. you know, kind of staying in that like poppier realm and whatnot. And we're just like, Nope, fuck you. We're not going to do that. And I think that we've consistently tried to, uh, shake up people's expectations of what sure. we're going to do as a band without going into a full, you know, like extreme, um, I guess, departure from, from what we are. So, yeah. And I think that's kind of a great thing though, because like, if you look at a lot, a lot of bands that have kind of gotten off the beaten path or, or changed their, their sound completely. I mean, like, you know, the, the band that comes to mind for me is, is ceremony. I mean, like, you know, look yes. at, you know, a ceremony record and then, you know, look at the L-shaped man. And, and I mean, you're talking about, oh, like, yeah. they were, you know, they were a, a hardcore band and, and they've essentially become like, a, you know, I don't, I don't even know, like a, like a, like an indie pop band or like a kind of lo-fi sort of pop band or like a dream yeah. pop band, I don't know, whatever the hell you want to call it. But I mean, I think it's really refreshing that, you know, with a lot of bands doing that, uh, you know, turnover, um, uh, the hundredth, you know, like, you yeah. guys took it in the other direction. So like you, you were at, at one spectrum of it, like a loud punk band, but then you took it even deeper and more aggressive and more dark. So, um, you know, yeah. I, for me, listening to that was totally, totally cool. And I guess the, the one follow-up question about working with Bill is uh, how many different Hawaiian shirts did he wear? <laughs> That's, that is, you know, I'd have to really dig in the, um, you know, <laughs> The annals of my memory to figure that out. I do have a couple of pictures, you know, just just him sitting at the control desk and, and me sitting on the couch behind him. And, you know, I, I definitely I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it, several. Yeah, <laughs> I will, sure. have to say that so many, so many different Hawaiian shirts. Um, you know what? Yeah. What a fucking guy, man. Um, yeah. You know, in, in regards to, you know, so, some of those bands that you mentioned to, um, you know, when we were a let's say when we were a pop punk band, I, I, you know, people still consider us that. And we just, I, you know, we don't shrug it off or, or, you know, think of it negatively anymore. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just not what we are. And, and that's just a blanket term, I think for, for, cause that's what we, you know, started off as, exactly. but there are, there are so many bands that we came up with that um, had a specific sound. We kind of fit in with that. And then they very much branched off into this kind of, 
grungier, softer, you know, softer, kind of more melodic, you know, whatever, like a turnover title fight is a great example, too, you know, yep, and a lot yep. of citizen, citizen, things like that. And those bands went on to see uh, incredible success. And I'm, I'm very happy for them. You know what I mean? That's, that's very awesome. We went in the complete opposite direction. Like you mentioned, we were mm -hmm. like, Nope, we're going to go harder and faster and we're going to go crazier. And you know what I mean? And cause that's, that's what's important to us. We, you know, like we're, we don't, I don't think we even know how to make music like how, what they did. Yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. All, all we know how to do is, is, you know, just is, is pushing ourselves forward. It's, you know, um, it's, yeah, trying to push the boundaries of, of what we can do as, as songwriters um, in, in regards to punk music and not necessarily, you know, can I write uh, a Death Cab for Cutie album or something? Because <laughs> I know I can't do that and I have yep. no interest in it, you know? Sure, of course. Um, so, so, like, I, I really commend those bands for being able to uh, make those choices. But, but at the time, I mean, we saw ourselves um, making a huge step away from that and, and kind of, you know, becoming lone wolves a little bit in, in that regards. We wanted to tour with, you know, fast skate punk bands. And, you know, we did a lot of shit with Wilhelm scream and flatliners and, mm -hmm. and strung out. And, you know, we went on tour with Mill and Colin and all these bands. I mean, we're shit. We're still, we're going to go on a tour with good riddance and uh, death by stereo in a couple months. You know what I mean? So we're, we're still trying to to push in that direction but um, we're also realizing now that we do need to step back a little bit <laughs> from that. And we, and we need to remember to take care of the kids that aren't interested in that kind of music. And they want to listen to more pop punk type oriented things. Sure. And the reality of us being a band for 10 years is that there are kids that when we started and put out Stand Tall, they were 10 years old, you know, uh, and, and we may have never ever toured with a band that they care about now as they're, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, whatever, you know, they may have never seen us play and have no fucking clue who we are. Mm -hmm. And we do, we do really need to figure out a way to, to start getting to those kids and start hopefully blowing their minds with the, with you know the kind of shit that we've been trying to put out the last couple of years. So it's something we're working on. We have a we have a whole new uh, team behind us. Would be that label uh, agents, you know, a, a manager, the whole the whole fucking thing. And that, that that's something that we haven't had a complete team of um, really since the new sidewalk came out five years ago. So we've been. Uh, struggling for a few years to put that back together to get back to a place where we can really push this hard and have uh, and make the right moves, um, you know, with the direction of the right people behind us. So very exciting uh, for the future. All right. So I guess we can transition right there to hockey because as always, as being a Sabres fan, you always have to be thinking about the future. And this is true. <laughs> Things you thought were getting turned around, and it doesn't look that way at the at this point. That is true. I mean, right now, what Sabers are are sixth um, in their division at the moment, which which is uh, you know disappointing. Um, you know, before before in the last couple hours before having this conversation, I did you know have to try and go back and and make some notes and kind of really review the season and see how how things have been going. And, um, it, you know, it, it was a great start to the season. I remember that. And then, 
things really just started kind of falling off. And then it's just kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster since then. Right. And that's, I mean, that's okay. I mean, what are you going to do? It's like, it's like, you know, we're, we're also Bill's fans at hearts too. And, it, and it's, <laughs> it, we're always looking for the, at the future for the bills as well too. Right. But um, you know, Sabres are, 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 are just such a interesting team. I mean, I mean, they're full of tons of young, I mean, eager, really eager players. I mean, Eichel obviously is an absolute monster. You know, he's, he's incredible. He's our golden child. Um, but, you know, between him and Skinner, we're very, you know, I think the, the team is very glad to have them. Um, they're, they're exciting to watch. Um, I mean, a lot of young guys, again, like uh, Thompson, Reinhardt, Darlene, uh, Yoki Haru, um, you know, so it's, it's really great to see uh, this new team of, of young guys uh, at the forefront, you know, try, trying their best to, to, to make it happen. And, you know, I'm not an expert enough in hockey to, to really be able to take a look at it and say, oh, this is what they're doing wrong, or this is what the head coach is doing wrong. Um, you know, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not that involved in the sport. I just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Um, and I, and I, I, I like to watch. Um, I've never played myself, you know what I mean? So I don't know all the inner workings of it, but, um, you know, it's, there's still a lot of hockey left to be played. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> we'll see how things go, you know, um, the, the win against, uh, the capitals the other night, um, you know, that was, I mean, caps are, I believe top in, in, in their division at the moment, Oh, the, yeah, the caps uh, are know. killing it. Yeah. And, and they have been for, for such forever, a long time, yeah. <laughs> uh, for forever. So, you know, sure. It was a hard fought game. I mean, they had control in the first period. They did let a couple of goals go and, but then classically kind of pulled it together in the third and had a really hard fought overtime. Um, you know, and it was, it was just awesome to see them do that level of a win at home. You know, um, when, when there's been so many exciting games that I've been able to see, um, in person. And I, and I know, you know, I'm sure you, you know, you guys can, can agree the feeling of, of watching your team who is struggling, uh, but then they beat, you know, the, one of the top teams uh, in the league and it's just like the fucking stadium explodes and it's just so much fun to be a part of that. Um, so while I was not at that game, uh, it was great to, you know, to kind of see that unfold. Um, and the thing about yeah, Buffalo it, fans is they support their teams no uh, matter what. Like I have to give it to you yeah. guys. Like even for the Bills, my 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 yeah. roommate in college is a season ticket holder for the Bills, and he lives in oh, Col- yeah. and he lives in Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> like that's Jesus ridiculous. I mean, that's dedication. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. But that's that's yeah. all the Bills fans that I know. Like they are that invested in the team. They've been through some really dark times. And yeah, they still stick with their team. And, you know, it looks like the Bills are turning, you know, they're they're right in the ship, at least, you know, making the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, last season was was really exciting to watch, um, you know, and I think, yeah, again, I mean, it's a new head coach and um, yeah, I mean, made it made it to the playoffs, I believe, or very close, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was I remember actually I was in I was in Florida uh, when they when they had that. Uh, that game against the Pats that they unfortunately lost to. Um, but if you're down in Florida, um, there's a lot of Bill's backers bars, you know, because there are, I mean, so many transplants from upstate New York down in the, I was specifically in the Tampa area. Um, there and they're sure. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and I was, uh, we were at a bar 
um, whatever, Buffalo City Grill or something like that in, in St. Petersburg. And I mean, you know, this was one of the biggest games, easily the biggest game of the year for for the Bills. I mean, the entire place was just packed, floor to ceiling, wall to wall, and everybody's wearing their jerseys. And, you know, I remember a lot of people saying like, oh, where are you from? And where are you from? And, and there were so many people there who, you know, were just on, va- they were on vacation. You know what I mean? Just were like, oh, you know, I had to watch this Bills game here, had to find a bar. Or there were tons of people that were like, yeah, I live here now, but I'm from you know, uh, from this, this suburb or that suburb. And I, you know, I met a guy who literally grew up, you know, uh, three blocks from where I live now, you know, and he lives in St. Petersburg. So, you know, that just no matter what, they're always going to support the team. And I think you're going to basically find a bills bar specifically in just about every city in America, <laughs> you know, no, it's and true. And it's such an important thing. And to be honest, and I don't even know if I've ever said this anywhere because I do Isles meetups and I've kind of piggybacked on the, the the whole idea of like the Bills backers because of being in college with my my you know roommates. They would always go to Bills backing bars, even in Cortland mm-hmm. in Cortland, New York, and right. it was just so foreign to me because growing up on Long Island, you know, it you 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 have a kind of split between Islanders fans and Rangers fans, and you don't True. really have on Long Island, many bars that are specifically Islander bars. Gotcha. But it was cool to see that in, you know, Cortland, New York, which is a dump to have <laughs> a Bills backed bar. And, you know, even yeah. here, even here in Charlotte, North Carolina, they have a huge one. And, you know, it's just so many people moving out of the Northeast and moving to places like Charlotte and Florida and Tampa, you know, it's just yeah. too expensive to live in New York, as you know. <laughs> Oh, it, it's getting to be, yeah, it's getting to be worse. Uh, we actually have a thing now where it used to be that we didn't have to pay sales tax on um, items that you would buy online um, that weren't being sold from a retailer in New York State. But now, if you buy fucking anything on the internet, no matter where it, like it's being shipped from or sold from, you have to pay New York State sales tax on that now. And it's just... One more fantastic way to continue being fucked by, by New York State. And uh, I'll be here for, I don't know, probably, hopefully not the rest of my life. That's not the plan, but uh, for a long time. And it's 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 obviously, you know, you guys are from New York as well. It's a very, can be a very frustrating place to live, um, you know. But, but uh, you know, shit, I mean... I don't know much about Long Island uh, specifically. It's 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 really is it's a foreign world to me. I know we it's like the same. It's obviously the same state, right? Yeah. But we are so far from each other, and and I mean Rochester is in the absolute middle of fucking nowhere. Um, you know, we we really live in our own world up here, um, and you know the the city itself. I mean, I mean, uh, New York City is like truly uh, a foreign place for most of us i mean i i don't understand i've been going there for a long time i i still i don't get it i think it's great um you know what i mean if that's how you want to live <laughs> but it is just not for me you know what i mean the, the 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 traffic and just like um i don't know just the whole scene i i, I seem to find myself in bushwick all the time which is where uh john our bass player engineer has a studio and he lives and I, I can say specifically, I am so tired of going to Brooklyn. I hope to not have to for quite some time. So we, we've been making John come up to Rochester and work in a studio here locally because Ben and I are so incredibly sick of going down there. Are you sure you're <laughs> not an understand. Islander fan? 
because I'm oh, so I... sick of Brooklyn too. <laughs> I yeah, I tell you, man. Yeah, I just I'm I'm done with it. I'm I'm done with the thing. You know, it was it it's it's been fun to go down and experience it and be like, yeah, you know, going to New York. It's cool. whatever. I've done that fucking six seven hour drive uh, down and back so many times in the last year, and I I just don't I don't want to do it again. Um, and it costs so much money to get to get in and out of that of that fucking place. So, um, but I digress. I mean, we obviously you guys left. I don't live there, you know. But you guys still remain Islanders fans, like <laughs> obviously. So, you know, that's and that, uh, it, it's good to see that you know you haven't uh, you haven't lost that that love for your local team as well. Amen. So I guess um, growing up in Rochester, um, about what two hours away from Buffalo. We're good. Uh, it's actually hour and 10 minutes, technically, if okay. you want to get real specific, you know, because <laughs> we do that drive all the time uh, for many different reasons. So would you consider like Buffalo your market or you, you still consider like Rochester your home base? Rochester is always going to be home base. There's always a rivalry a bit between Buffalo, Rochester and Syracuse because we're all these like weird you know, kind of pseudo Rust Belt, almost Midwestern type cities that, you know, we have very similar populations. Uh, we both experience very similar climates, but for some reason or, or another, we just want to hate on each other because we all have a different chip on our shoulder. You know, it's it's just that small man syndrome, I, th- <laughs> I think, you know. Um, so we, you know, for for such gold specifically, I mean, I mean, I consider rochester and new york to now be a a home market for us though those are two different home bases that we have um you know but i i could see living in buffalo i see its benefits um but you know i i don't think there's any point when you know all my friends are here in rochester i do love this city um even if the sun really shines maybe once a week uh in this (laughs) this time of year you know all of that um yeah it's it's definitely my home market over over Buffalo for sure. Okay, so um, even though Rochester's your home market, can you remember back to when you received like your first hockey jersey? Was it a Sabres jersey? Uh, no, actually, I think it was. Uh, I think it was an American jersey. So it, okay, if, if, and if, oh yeah, you know, oh, if you're yeah. familiar, because um, I know you had um, a, a Dan from uh, Joy Wave on, so I'm sure he talked to Amherst hockey. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I think uh, for Christmas one year, um, you know, my wife and I both got jerseys from um, my brother-in-law. And, you know, I, I am definitely one of those people who is part of that meme that I remember seeing on, on like hard times about like, you know, uh, hardcore kid enters his hockey phase. You know, I, I haven't, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I'm I'm absolutely that guy. Um, I, I have not been watching hockey since I was five years old. You know, it's it wasn't. A, really a thing in my household we were always watching the bills you know it was just we were a bills home and that's the only sport we really paid attention to um we did go to amherst games once in a while when i was a kid um but it wasn't a regular thing it wasn't a staple in the household um so i did only get an amherst jersey a, a few years ago um but then i did buy i found a really nice like all blacked out 
um, Miller jersey uh, for, for like really cheap with brand new with tags on it on eBay a few years ago as well. And I, I've been intermingling that, you know, uh, between Sabres and Amherst games. And, you know, sometimes I'll wear the Amherst jersey. It just depends on how I'm feeling, essentially. So, um, but yeah, it wasn't that long ago that I got my first jersey. Okay. Well, it's I'm glad that the Amerks are back to being the Buffalo Sabres affiliate because there was a time yes. where they were like the Florida Panther affiliate, which made no sense to me. Right. Which that yeah, that also <laughs> doesn't make sense to me either. We have a few um we have a few affiliates in upstate New York specifically. I I would have to argue probably more than any other uh state. Um we, I mean Buffalo, no, sorry, uh, Rochester uh, Utica, Syracuse, uh, Binghamton. Um, at one point, I think the Calgary Flames uh, had an affiliate in like outside of Albany. Um, I don't know if that still exists. Yeah, but, the Glens, Glens but Falls. Glens, yeah, like Glens Falls. I mean, what, what like that is not even really a place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how the fuck they have an AHL team, but uh, and again, I don't even know if that's if that's still the case. But I mean. Yeah, we have we have a lot of uh, of hockey teams up here. So it, so it is, you know, the more I've been involved in it, the more we've been going to games. Um, it, it is a, a very big part of the culture here. I think, you know, I, it, it, we're very close to Canada. So we're, you know, we're kind of lumped in with that a little bit. Um, and unfortunately, I, I personally haven't been able to go to too many uh, really either Amherst or Sabres games this this year. Um, my wife and I did have uh, half season tickets for a while. It was a couple of years ago. Um, we split them with, uh, my brother-in-law and his wife, and we had great seats, um, in the hundred sections, uh, like right at center ice. And I mean, what's so nice about the Amherst games too, is I mean, the, the food and the drinks are, are extremely affordable. The tickets are affordable. So it, it really doesn't cost an arm and a leg to be a season ticket holder or even a half season ticket holder. It was like, a few hundred dollars for us uh, to to see half of the games and then split those with with um, you know with with family members. Um, unfortunately, you know, my wife went back to school a couple of years ago. I've gone through several different jobs, you know, since then. So our income is just not really uh, what it was at the time. Um, you know, so so we haven't had season tickets in a while and and haven't been going to as many games, but. Um, you know, frankly, after after doing this podcast and 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 trying to watch, you know, some more uh, some more Saber stuff when I can, um, I really need to get us to a, some more fucking games before the the season's over. Especially because Amherst are doing extremely well uh, right now in their division. I think um, I had it written down here somewhere. They're thirty one, nineteen, and four, seventy five points overall. Okay, um, yeah, you know, and I mean great. that's 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 fantastic. You know, so. I'm look. I've, I've looked at the roster now too. Um, I, in fact, I have it in front of me, and and I don't recognize anybody. And that's how long it's been since we've had season tickets. Is that so many guys have come and gone? Um, there is one in particular. I'm really hoping that makes it up to the Sabers at some point. Andrew uh, Ogilvy, I think his name is. Um, he is. Let's see, 15 goals this season with 14 assists, 29 points overall, and that's in. Uh, yeah, that's, that's just this season. Um, his 2018, 2019 season, he did not do as well, but he's absolutely crushing this season. He's only been with the team for two years and, uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes on him and I'm really hoping that, that at some point, um, he's a center. I, I, I'm hoping that at some point, uh, Sabres bring him up. Cause I think, I mean, 
he looks like the star player right now. I can't see anybody else that I recognize. So, um, but you know, last time we went to a game, my wife remarked on the same thing. She's like, she's like, we don't know anybody anymore. And all of our, all of our players are gone, you know? Um, so many of them have, have moved up to, uh, the, the Sabres full time though, which is awesome. Um, we, we were there, you know, to see Rasmus Vistalainen, uh, Johan Larson, Evan Rodriguez, you know, who they're all still playing. Um, there's a few others, uh, possibly, I think, uh, Jake McCabe, um, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, Kyle Akposo, Tage Thompson, and then Olmark is what Olmark's the, is like the main goalie for them. Um, I'm really glad that Olmark is in goal more often now. Um, when Leonard was the goaler, he was an absolute miserable fuck to watch, and I'm very glad that he is gone. Um, See, that's so <laughs> because funny because also, after, yeah. after the, he was with the Sabres, he went to the Islanders, and it's a completely oh, no. different story. Islander fans right. freaking love him. I don't understand it. He he was miserable for us. He was miserable for the Amherst. When he was on, he was really on, but that was very rare. So I, you know, I guess that's just the way it goes, man. You get traded and maybe different coaching or different different players. I think I, I think know. with with him, you know, a lot of a lot of people resonated with you know his, his story, you know, being able to overcome addiction and 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 stuff like that. And I think that was um, true. You know, a, a big a big thing with with Leonard and. And Leonard kind of, I think, gave the Islanders, um, you know, a little bit of, of spark that they needed just because the Islanders, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but their luck with goaltenders, I mean, you know, is is uh, is something lore. I mean, you know, Rick DiPietro, I mean, yeah. just just gotta just gotta say that guy's name, and if you say it three times, he'll jump out of the mirror, and you'll have to give him money. But uh, um, right, right. <laughs> But um, so I, uh, you know, we we started uh, with actually our last episode. Um, we kind of started this cool thing where we've been asking all of our guests. Um, so, you know, obviously hockey goal songs are kind of like a big trend coming out, and they're just like you know huge in terms of getting people pumped and stuff. So, if you could look at your whole catalog or the whole such gold catalog, and you had to pick one song that could potentially be a Buffalo Sabres goal song, like what song would you pick? Like what song do you think has the ethos to, you know, take it a capacity crowd and just like, you know, get them super pumped. Oh man. That is a loaded question. I know. I know. Well, it's all right. I mean, um, I mean, I, I I have to, I would say so close. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like that. I, I definitely would put that on the list. Um, I'm I'm just trying to think of some hype, you know, some hype, some hype ass songs that we've got. Um, I mean, you know, fucking two year plan is good. You know, when that second chorus kind of kicks in, you know, that's, yeah. that's a good, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to think what else, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else with deep in a hole. Uh, obviously new sidewalk was quite a dark record so i don't think we would we would go on that yeah, right, right, but, exactly. um well i i yeah i think i would go with to your plan or so close but certainly for the buffalo bills uh you know we'd have to go with four super bowls no rings i mean yeah. that would be an obvious choice right so i've got to i've right. got to throw I've, I've got to throw that in there uh, <laughs> but, so uh has yeah. like the bills mafia ever like caught on to that song like do they know that song um, exists no, I don't think so, unfortunately. But and we also spelled Super Bowls 
is one word on that EP, <laughs> which which is not correct. And I've always I still cringe to this day when I have to like see it on on Spotify or whatever. Like we wrote it as again Super Bowls one word, not Super Space Bowl. Like I don't know, we were idiots, I guess back then. But hey, uh, I mean, but it, it yeah. could have been it could have been way worse because I mean, there's uh you know, there's there's some trends in this kind of music that goes around. One of the things that that, that absolutely drives me nuts is uh, when bands like deliberately release like their track lists and like all lowercase, or just to try to be like stylistic. Or um, Law Dispute just put out uh, Panorama, and every single song uh-huh. title was just all capitals. And for me, I, I keep such a meticulous, Jesus. I keep a meticulous iTunes and that kind of stuff. Like bad ID three tags, just like makes me want to vomit so uh, uh so i mean so it, all, if all i have to do on that ep is just put a space somewhere way better than like having to sit there and uncapitalize everything and uh i i, I could go on about that for hours too but uh so uh mikey that is a great up, point <laughs> yeah right but mikey bringing up so close i, I actually have a you know question about that so obviously um you know you guys had at kenny from from the starting line do a little uh, feature on there for you guys um like, how did you guys link up with him for that? Like, was he just like a fan of the band or like, like how, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, I think um, at the time we were working with um, Mightier Than Sword Records uh, previous to Pedestals because Pedestals came out on 6131. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a, another great example of a label who is, uh, well, you know, a label band, whatever, that has taken a complete 360 as far as the type of music they're making or putting out. Yeah. Um, you know, which is again, whatever, it's great. Uh, but, um, we were working with Miter Than Sword previous to that. Uh, Miter Than Sword had a relationship with, uh, Kenny via, uh, Personnel, uh, which I think was yeah. another band that he had. Uh-huh. And so, you know, that just, yeah, it just, you know, obviously such gold had come across to his desk, uh, working alongside RJ from, from Miter Than Sword. And, um, you know, one thing leads to another and our, RJ from Mighty Than Sword actually became our manager at that point. So even though we weren't putting out records with him anymore, uh, he was managing the band. So, you know, he had a, a lot to do with that. Um, sure. and we were able to, to, to play around that time to a bunch of shows with, uh, with starting line here and there, you know, and, and support slots and Kenny would come on stage and fucking do the song with us. And that was, that was pretty wild shit. Sweet. And if you remember correctly, we also had, uh, Carl from Earth Crisis on uh, pedestals as well, um, and specifically on the title track uh, from 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 that record. Um, yeah, and, that's right. He was. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This, right. Yeah. This, yeah. Which which is kind of again insane to have somebody like Kenny and then Carl on the same record. Um, you know, we were pulling out all the stops, you know, because we had the opportunity. But um, the story behind that is that our original bass player uh, Devin uh, Hubbard. Uh, his half brother, um, Scott, like they formed Earth Crisis, like in their basement and like in Devin's like family home. So, like, so, uh, you know, basically Devin's half brother, original founding member of Earth Crisis. So, you know, obviously there, we have a connection there. So when sure. we have the opportunity to, to, to ask Carl, like, hey, can you do this? You know, would you be interested in doing this vocal track? Yeah. I mean, there was a family connection there, so we were able to get that as well. And I mean, for kids, I mean, that was our second release, our second EP even, um, 10 fucking years ago that came out now at this point. 
um, you know, that was some really wild shit for us. So, sure. uh, you know, super stoked still to this day to have had an opportunity to get to get both those guys on <laughs> on a single record. Absolutely. So. And then uh, uh, just kind of talking about um, pedestals as well. I mean, I know, um, yeah. I guess, what was it, 2017? You guys uh, ended up re-record or, or not re-recording it, but or did you re-record it and remaster it? And I know it got re-released, um, but right. uh, I, just out of curiosity, what was behind that decision to, you know, re-release that EP? Was it just you guys felt that like a new paint of co- uh, a new coat of paint? I don't know why I couldn't said that, but um, <laughs> did you feel that it was beneficial for for those songs specifically, or what went into that decision to re-release that? I, I think a lot of it was um, a we were able to gain control of the masters, right? So mm-hmm. the record was out of the record was out of print. Um, I don't even know if it was on Spotify anymore, you know, at that point. Um, and I think people were complaining about that. They're like, why the fuck? You know, this is, it was one of their favorite records yeah. to listen to. And, and they, they just couldn't find it anywhere. And it was obviously driving us crazy too. And so there's that. And, and then I, listening back to it at the time, I mean, I was, you know, in, in retrospect and in hindsight, I was not happy with um the way it turned out like my mm-hmm. 2010 my 2010 ears were happy with it but my 2016 2017 ears thought it was atrocious sure. um so so i wanted to make sure that we got it uh just the record itself um remixed and remastered and i think um i think vince ratty did it um he did a fantastic job on it I'm, I'm much happier with the way that it turned out um there was just some guitar tones that ended up on like like the original guitar tones from gut rot like literally make me want to stab pencils into my ears or something it's horrifying i can't like cannot listen to the original recording of that record anymore i'm very happy with the new one third thing you know the the artwork it's okay um like the original artwork um but on like the lp itself it was really washed out it just we put so much into that record and then i feel like when we actually got the physical copy and and you know we're trying to sell and promote the thing it just it just wasn't really what it, we had had expected, what we were trying to live, you know, what we thought it would live up to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cut to it's out of print, can't find it anywhere. Um, it's not on Spotify. Hey, why don't we take the splits that we did uh, between that record and Misadventures, which we also uh, got control of the rights to. Awesome. Put it all, put it all on one record, make it a quote unquote deluxe edition new artwork who uh we got uh chris uh cresswell from flatliners to do the artwork for it um you know and um i'm super stoked with the way it came out uh bird attack records uh put that out uh label out of jacksonville um and he also did uh deep in a hole as well um yeah it was just it just made logical sense at the time we were still playing songs off of it Again, there was a demand for it, of course, and uh, just it just made sense to have that um, as something on on our <laughs> merch table at, at sure. every show. We and we still, I mean, shit, I, my fucking trailers, you know, and my attic is full of a few boxes of them still. So, <laughs> you know, so we so so we still continue to sell it. And I think it's it's something that we're going to have for a long time. I don't think we'll. I don't know if we'll repress it once this is done. Um, you know, probably take us another few years to get rid of these, but. Uh, yeah. You know, regardless, it just it just made sense. Um, and we're starting yeah. to think about that for maybe New Sidewalk and Misadventures, too. But that's a, a separate legal uh, situation we're trying to deal with. So because <laughs> it's a different, yeah, different label, it's changed yeah. hands, it's changed mm-hmm. distribution companies. And 
Razor and Tie has um, not fared well, unfortunately. And they gave us a lot of money to make two great records. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, there were caveats around that. And there were some unfortunate, you know, things that became of that. So is yeah. what it is. So sure. we're moving forward. Of course. So. And and are you guys, um, are you guys working with, um, um, uh, what is it? Um, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the label that you were, it's a. Uh, Bird Attack. Bird Attack. That's what it was. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there yeah. like Bird Island, Bird Attack. <laughs> uh, are you working with them for, for the new music you're releasing or, or are you guys, uh, you know, moving on work with a different label? I mean, obviously if you can't say, you know, it's no biggie, but are you, uh, you know, are, are you kind of excited what you got, you know, coming up? Yes. Um, so we are working with a new label. Um, we're, we are still waiting to, um, to, to announce who it is. It's, sure. it's, you know, it's not fucking epitaph. It's not like it's some <laughs> big fucking secret or anything. Sure. It, it's sure. just that we want to make sure that when we start talking about it, like, and when we do the, the real announce, we've got, Hey, here's our new record. Here's the artwork. Here's a single off of it. Yep. Here's what it's called. Oh, also we signed to to this record label. You know, we just you just got to do it right. And at this point, I'm sure I can only imagine that this episode would probably come out before we still finally get our shit together to uh, announce all of that stuff. Of so course, I, yeah. I, I, I won't I won't say at this point, but I will say that uh, we are very excited. It's a it's a small team, but it, it's it's a label that has put out uh, some really cool records from our friends and and Excellent. has been doing very very well. Um, he's been paying a lot of attention to us. He, I, I feel like he's got a great plan, um, that he's going to put in motion, you know, for this thing, uh, once we finally deliver it to him in a couple months. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's again, part of that rebuilding that, that great team of people who are going to, um, you know, really pay attention to us and, uh, yeah, give us, yeah, we're, we're very difficult. We need, we're very needy <laughs> and we need to be, uh, need to be we need to be coddled uh, <laughs> so we, i feel, <laughs> i feel like this this label is, is going to they're, they're, they're giving us the freedom to do whatever the hell we want awesome. uh, and we finally have sent him some some roughs you know from the recording and it seems like he's very happy with how things are coming along so excellent um yeah so we're we're awesome. as eager as you are to to, <laughs> to, sure. to get the news out there it's just yep. going to take a little bit more time no and that, and that's fine and we're, and we're super excited to you know to, to hear that you know the you got big things coming in 2020. Uh, so, you know, again, we've been chatting with uh, with Nate from Such Gold, um, and uh, it, it's been totally, totally awesome to just get some insight, on, you know, as to how, uh, you know, Such Gold has, like I said, transformed over the years, uh, you know, your your love of uh, all things Sabres and Bills. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, I guess just, you know, the one, the one last thing um, that I just want to, uh, you know, touch base with you on, and then we'll kind of start to wrap it up. But, um, uh, Choosing Cages, obviously, is really one of my favorite Such Gold songs, um, and oh, yeah. it has been since since it came out. And I know that was part of um, a really cool thing. If if uh, you know our listeners aren't familiar with it, but uh, um, this brand, uh, Secret Audio Club, put out this big box set called Wax Packs, uh, which is kind of like yeah. almost harkening back to like the old days of collecting uh, like baseball cards or anything like that. A uh, ton of great music, ton of great bands on it, but. Um, just if you could, like, how were you approached to be a part of that? And do you actually still have a copy of the the box set? Did you ever get one? Because I know I still have mine, and I sold a lot of records, but that's one of the yeah. things that I kept. Yeah. So that is that's an interesting one. So um, so Kyle uh, Kyle Chapman, uh, he had this record label, Secret Audio Club. Um, him and I 
Well, all right. Let me go very far back. So <laughs> Kyle, Kyle is the guy that I started such gold with in, in his parents' basement um, sure. many, many, many years ago. Um, him and I did have, for a very brief amount of time, a record label called Farewell Party. We put out a couple of seven inches, mostly just, you know, I think um, one of my bands and, and another, you know, whatever, some friends of ours. Um, and Kyle is always one of those guys who just has a great uh, interest in business and marketing and is interested in, um, you know, just creative marketing uh, schemes and things like that. And, you know, he we were all involved in the in the vinyl community you know as it as it was very big you know uh, a, a huge deal back in the uh, you know the vc boards and everything like that mm -hmm. back in the day yep. Yep. um you know and so he started this label secret audio club he really wanted to try and pursue it from a like exactly how you're saying like a more of a collectible standpoint i mean he did a seven inch for half-hearted hero um, with a cover on it. I, I'm, I'm not even going to try and rack my brain on what song it was. Um, but he like literally put it in like a plastic sleeve and then had like, uh, like a little paper thing folded over it, like cardboard. And it was like, yeah. it was like packaged like a toy or something yeah. like that. Okay. You know? And I mean, he just wanted to explore some really interesting, like packaging options to make it, um, interesting for people to buy and, and have this, you know, collectible item. So, you know, then this wax pack things come about where he's like, I'm going to take this fucking huge step and get all these bands involved. And we're going to, yeah. yeah, basically, um, you know, I think he put like what five records in each box, a box mm -hmm. was like 20 bucks or something. And you would get like one super, super rare variant, yep. one uncommon, and then like three, like black or something like that, mm -hmm. you know? And so there's so many of those records floating around somewhere. I think I even had an entire case of them. Like you could buy a whole fucking like thing of like 10 boxes of them. You could buy like 50 or more records. And I think I had so many at one point, I just took out what I wanted and I, I just gave it to our local record store. Cause I was, <laughs> I was just sick of having it in my house. It was like, this fucking taking up space. Yeah. But um, so, so obviously, you know, with him doing this project and, and, and such gold is where we were at the time and our relationship with him, it just, it just made absolute sense. Like, yes, we have to be a part of this. Um, I think at this point we are finally sold out of all of those copies. I mean, we had copies of that split with placeholder um, on our merch table for, for many years. You know, mm -hmm. I think at one point he just, he just gave us everything he had because the project itself essentially, you know, I think he broke even, but it also essentially like put him out of business at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, he was just like, I, it was just like, I can't fucking, I don't want to do this anymore. And he, now <laughs> he's a, now he's a barber and he has a very successful barbershop in, in the suburbs. So, you know, Sweet. he's just, just one of those guys who's always like got some scheme or got some interesting idea. He's always just trying to, you know, see, figure out what the next thing is. And I think, I think he finally found it after all these years. Um, but yeah, we, that was such a cool project. And I, you know, we, we haven't seen anybody do anything like it since. And yeah, I would be very surprised if we, if we do, if so we ever do again. Yeah. You know, and I, so it's something that where, you know, I mean, I don't even know how many of those bands are even still bands anymore. Uh, but you know what, I, that, that, that is something to hold on to for a long time. I think if you're a vinyl enthusiast and I think maybe hopefully 10, 20 years down the line, maybe people will dig it up and 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 it'll resurface and it will become something of of legend you know of like hey at some at one point this guy had this crazy idea and this is a thing <laughs> you know yeah, um sure. I, I could very much see that happen so awesome well uh, like i said again uh, it, it's been uh 
been awesome to get to chat with you, Nate. Um, you know, get, getting some insight on uh, what you guys got going on. So, you know, we wish for for all good things for you. We're, we're really looking forward to uh, what you guys announced coming in 2020, a new record, all this stuff. Um, and uh, we really, really appreciate having you on. Mikey, anything uh, anything you got to add there? Any pepper you want to pepper in? No, I just want to tell Nate that uh, Stand Tall was actually the first vinyl record I ever bought, and it led to a <laughs> That's awesome. very bad addiction that I've caught. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks. that means a lot. That's very, that's very cool. I always love, you know, that those are the kind of things that um, when people tell me any, any kind of shit like that, that makes it so that uh, of all the struggles and all of the things that we've had to do over the years to keep this thing going at the end of the day, that's what makes me happy is when, when there's a story like that. So I, I really appreciate that kind of shit. So. Yeah. You guys are doing vinyl before it became cool, man. Well, we've been, you know, obviously we've been trying to do everything before it's cool, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's the whole point of being yeah. an artist, right? So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. So, well, I, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on. I look forward to the episode. I'm actually, uh, I had just kind of looked through the episodes you guys had done previously, and there's a lot of great ones that I, I have, uh, I've just downloaded. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to. There's a lot of friends of mine that you've, that you've, uh, that you've interviewed. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing that. Um, I do want to say also, um, I wanted to ask actually, do you guys have any, any, any backup teams, you know, when the Islanders aren't doing well? Um, I, I usually pick a team out West. So like, mm -hmm. it's That's just a good choice. It's so hard for me to root for a team from the East. Like I, I really am just a diehard Islander fan. So it's hard for me to, to root. Like I could root for players on certain teams, Yes, but I, yes. it, I just can't root for a any team from the east i i i usually go for like the sharks or the preds out west if they're yeah. still in it yeah that makes sense yeah that makes sense tom yeah. what about you for me the you know to be honest with you if if the islanders aren't in the playoff picture um when the when the playoffs start i love to watch like your seven and eight seeds as they kind yeah. of develop and as they they get a, a deep run so i mean anytime you know you could see like your you're kind of that team that limped into the playoffs. All of a sudden, they, uh, you know, dispatch your one seed, and then they make a deep run in the playoffs. I just always love seeing that. So you know, whether it's the East or the West, I just always love kind of kind of that underdog story. And uh, you know, with hockey being as gritty as it is, and um, you know, just a, a lot of these these kids are just, you know, all they've ever dreamed about is raising that cup above their heads. It's just great to yes. to see you know someone kind of kind of creeping up so that that for me i can't say there's a specific team but that's what i would say is anytime like an eight or a seven seed is is gaining traction i'm always Keep all an eye on them absolutely yeah. for sure personally uh my secondary is is winnipeg is the jets oh um, okay for for a number of reasons um I, we, you know we have spent a lot of time touring with canadian guys um you know we've done a lot of stuff with with like comeback kid and all those guys uh mm -hmm. you know from winnipeg um tyler they're they're like merch guy at the time also like diehard winnipegger he you know but a lot of these guys lived in toronto they were diehard uh jets fans they love to hate on the leafs as as do i <laughs> um you know so we so we were always you know uh kind of you know basically just, just kind of, you know, friends of, uh, on that kind of shit. And, you know, the, the Jets are a, a great team to watch when the Sabres aren't doing very well. I mean, if the 2018 season, I mean, they made it to the playoffs. That was a huge deal. 
obviously major upset when when Vegas beat them. Um, you know, but it was also still cool at the same time to see a, a first year team like the Golden Knights. I mean, get all the way there. I mean, they made it to to the Stanley Cup for fuck's yeah. sake. And I was I was then rooting for them, you know, for obvious reasons, because, you know, I mean, they're the underdog. I mean, I wanted to see this first year team just just blow the caps out of the water. And you know, it didn't go that well. But uh, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, that was that was cool. But, yeah, I always I always loved uh, I like watching um, the Jets when I can. Uh, like on my phone, I get notifications when there's both Sabres and Jets games. I see every, you know, I see, you know, the scores for every single one of them, whether I watch the game or not, um, you know, and, and Winnipeg has, has a lot of great wing. I mean, line between line a Wheeler and Ehlers, you know, another team like the Sabres filled with a lot of really young and promising players. Um, you know, same deal. I think we're going to see a lot like those guys and the guys on the, on, on the Sabres who we're all keeping our eyes on. I think, you know, they're going to grow into some lifelong greats. And I think if you haven't really watched Winnipeg play. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a good secondary. They're also kind of a Western team. Uh, I believe, I mean, I don't know exactly what division or conference they're in. I, I don't really care. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, that doesn't, you know, that's, that's not what I pay attention to, but, um, you know, watch, watch, a watch a Jets games once in a while. It's I, a good time. I may or may not have just followed comeback <laughs> kids because I had no idea they were from like the, our Winnipeg fans because trying to find, uh, a Jets fan to come on our pod, I thought was impossible. So now I definitely have oh. to reach out to those boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd, um, definitely talk to Goose um, or or, uh, or or Jeremy. Um, yeah, one one of those. Yeah, uh, <laughs> those are those are those are going to be diehards for sure. Yeah, I just um, didn't think absolutely. they would exist. I didn't think like that far in Western Canada there'd be fans of this kind of music. So pumped for that the thing with the thing with winnipeg too and you know i I know you guys we want to wrap it up but with winnipeg it's very very much like rochester and buffalo as well as far as the type of city um in fact we always we always bonded over the fact that uh in winnipeg they actually get a lot of our um rochester like local channels like fox and things like that they would actually get our broadcasts in Winnipeg and, and they would see our commercials. So when we would see like Salino and Barnes commercials and shit, they would also understand those references. You know what I mean? And uh, we always, you know, we always bonded over that kind of stuff. So it's a good, uh, yeah, it's a great second. It's a perfect secondary team for me for, for a lot of those reasons. So I always keep my eye on them. All right, Nate. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, best of luck in 2020, uh, that Tory good riddance and the new music you're working on. So just, it's been a blast chatting with you and uh, hopefully we can have you on again. Once, once the, the Sabres turn it around. Hell yeah, guys. Well, I really appreciate it. You know, anytime again, I know it took a while to, to make it happen, but uh, you know, I love it. I love being on a podcast, so I'm, I'm happy to chat anytime. All right, man. Thank you so much.
pleasure. Nate was a great guest. Like, one of those melodic punk hardcore bands that has kind of just has that lasting power. They're still kicking it where, you know, bands from that scene have come and gone, and they're still staying true to the type of music that they want to put out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's refreshing, and I'm excited to hear what they've been working on. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because... you know, you bring up like the whole idea of like melodic punk, right? And like it, like I said, that's such a broad spectrum term because really paint a lot of different bands under that same veil. So like, I know you talked to uh, uh, Nuno from Wilhelm a couple of episodes back and like a lot of people call them melodic punk, you know? But like, if you listen to Wilhelm and Such Gold, especially like newer Such Gold against, you know, like Wilhelm stuff, I mean, like, yeah, like they kind of have some similarities, but I mean, at its core, they're very, very different. But they still get that kind of coat of paint that says, oh, it's a melodic punk band. It's almost like, for me, like if you talk about like pop punk, right? And like, let's say you you, you take a Wonder Years record, right? Like the newest Wonder Years record, and you put it up against like um, like the newest um, like Knuckle Puck record, right? Like very, very different. You know, like, yeah, I guess we could still call it pop punk, but like, very different in terms of like where the core of their music is and how they build their their songs and how the songwriting is so i'm always kind of interested in that and especially talking to guests about the music they write and understanding where they feel they land so it was cool getting nate's perspective on that for sure because it's so different like what i think a genre could be someone else could be like hell no we're you know we're nowhere near that yeah and it's it's crazy to think that with the earlier such gold stuff if you blindfolded someone and said is this such gold or is this the story so far you probably couldn't tell like if someone never heard of the two bands like you know the 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 early pedestal stuff and the misadventures i could Mm -hmm. definitely hear you know the story so far in some of those songs but then as Mm -hmm. you listen to the older you know such gold uh, the newer such gold stuff yeah totally totally different man and i mean and and you know to not like to to give credit where credit's due i mean like all of the musicians in that band in such gold they're they're all phenomenal musicians like it still blows my mind so you know back a couple of years ago um uh, they had a, a second guitarist uh, i think his name was skyler who's now playing with ben in um taking meds which is like a, a side project but um you know, Ben was just singing for a while. And then Ben took over guitar duties when the band got so much more complex. And just like watching this guy, like be able to like sing perfectly, hit all of these really complex melodies that he's singing. And he's also like ripping through these like guitar leads. And then, you know, like the interplay that he has with Nate and, um, and their, their bassist, who's just, like, so intense, John is. I mean, dude, it's seeing Such Gold is always a blast, whether it's their old stuff or their new stuff. I mean, it's just this kind of wild to see how they've progressed. And uh, more so than that, just, like, how they're such a tight band and they're writing all of this, like, wildly complex music. I, I think it's super cool. Like And like we said in the interview, like, a lot of bands have taken a step back but they literally just said, fuck it, we're doing what we want. We're going to take two steps forward. And if you're not going to come on this ride with us, like, too bad. And I love that that kind of personality when that shines through. 
And, you know, I, I did mention this in the interview, but no joke that that Stand Tall EP was the first vinyl record I bought uh, because I was at a Ink and Lead show. You know, I went to go support <laughs> you and you were opening up for such gold. So mm-hmm. I remember I bought your split with Sister, uh, Sister Kissers. Or Sister, Sister Kisser, yeah. And, uh, and bought the Such Gold Stand Tall EP that same night. And it was just led to a, a crazy addictive <laughs> vinyl yeah. collection that lasted, you know, up until I bought my new house and uh, lots of money spent on yep. that. Yeah, and, uh, sure. It was just, it's it's kind of funny how it comes full circle. Like, you know, yeah. I remember you telling me as you were playing that, you know, promoting that show, like, oh, we're playing with this pretty big band from Rochester. Like, I think you would like them. And I totally remember just like ripping through the the Stan Tall EP, getting ready to go to that show. Yeah. And, and I mean, you also got to remember too, like you have this very distinct thing about you where like, for a good two years, if like a band was from upstate New York, like you immediately loved them. So like such gold, love them. Polar Bear Club, love them. Um, the hoodies, right? Or or Joywave now, but they were from upstate. Love them, you know. So you're just like, bro, if they're from upstate, I love them. <laughs> yeah, and like that was like just like your, your thing for a while. But um, not not to get too long winded on it, but. So that Ink and Lead Sister Kisser split was uh, pretty much the first piece of music that I've ever had was released on vinyl. You know, I had a, a copy of it. You know, um, uh, awesome guy Chuck uh, had this small little imprint called Gruff Beard Records, and he he, he put out our music. Um, but um, one of the members of uh, Ink and Lead, Sal, you know, really awesome buddy of mine. You know, I've played so much music with him, whether it was Ink and Lead and Concrete Houses and all the different bands we've been in together. And, uh, you know, it was one of these guys that, like, I couldn't imagine not making music with him. He, um, he's been in all these different bands, and he was talking about the idea of, like, actually releasing, like, a vinyl retrospective of all the music that he's played on, like, in the past 15 years, which I think is, like, the coolest thing in the world. But when we were chatting about it, I was like, oh, my God, like, I've been a part of almost, you know, half of the music that, that, you know, he, we've cultivated together. So, um, I, you know, that's just super, super exciting to me. But um, I do remember also vaguely uh, when you started your record collection uh, that I was very, very negative about it. And I was like, bro, that's so stupid. Why are you buying vinyls? Vinyl's so stupid. And then um, it was really your fault that I started buying records because, my whole idea was, well, I can't let Mikey have a better vinyl collection than me because that just doesn't make sense. And then that's when my escapade started 1,400 LPs later um, or something stupid like that, which I've sold most of as well. But yeah, I mean, you just, you know, you think of all the music that you love and all the records you have to have, right? And then before you know it, you're spending $100 to get, you know, some obscure record shipped to you from germany because you're like oh i, I gotta have this and like <laughs> see i don't do think really i ever have to have this i didn't get as bad as you with that kind no, of no you didn't like, you at got, all you were super obsessive about getting like super rare like limited yeah. variants where i just yeah, yeah i a lot of what i bought i bought as like pre-orders for for 
you know, new stuff, but then also I was very specific on like certain albums that I like for the nostalgia feeling Mm -hmm. that I needed to have. And, uh, like from like high school and and early college days, um, that was really my collection. And then it turned out that a lot, because I got into the vinyl game kind of early, a lot of that stuff that I did buy ended up just becoming super rare. Super rare yeah so exactly when i went to go sell my records i i did really well <laughs> definitely yeah definitely did not I mean, lose any money i actually probably you know it was probably a small investment for me i mean i you know i i did really well on some stuff other stuff i didn't do great on but what i can say is um you know a lot of the the vinyl records that i didn't want to spend the time selling on vinyl collective or discogs um you know, I, I sold a lot of them to, um, to uh, you know, Vinyl Paradise, uh, which was an awesome record shop um, that, you know, unfortunately has, has since closed down. It was in, in Sayville. Um, you know, I sold a lot of a lot of records over there. Uh, you know, super awesome dude. And uh, as things go, I mean, you know, but for me, I always say that, you know, if I ever start collecting records again, I'm not going to try to be as addictive. I'm just going to buy a couple here and there, maybe after I get married. I'll start, you know, buying a couple, but, um, I don't know. I, you know, I just, uh, I got, when I unloaded them, I was just kind of pumped about not having to move them around anymore. Oh my God. That's the worst. That, that no joke was the worst thing about my move from New York to Charlotte. Yeah. You know, my, my collection was probably half of yours, but Mm -hmm. it was still very stressful to pack them correctly and to make Mm -hmm. sure that they weren't damaged in such a long move and it was june yep. when i moved yeah so, so like, it's hot and you so yeah. i was it was extremely hot in the moving van and i was like god if all these records melt by the time i get to charlotte i'm going to lose mm-hmm. my mind but everything worked out i'm i'm so happy that i was able to unload mine and yeah. that whole process is over because vinyl people are crazy like oh they absolutely are crazy yeah Absolutely. I spent so much time packaging these records like perfectly for people. Like I, mm-hmm. I definitely, it was a full-time job one summer for me, really like between mm-hmm. packaging them, the shipping labels, going to the post oh. office because oh. in the age of Amazon, if people don't get something in two days, they lose their minds. Absolutely. hundred percent. And most of the times, I mean, I don't know how, what you did. I just always sent stuff media mail, which is like the lowest of, of like, the common denominators that you could send mail. And most of the times, man, you know, I, I'd have a, a record that would be like in perfect condition. I'd pack it perfectly. And, you know, I'd get pictures being like, bro, look, what the fuck did you send me? And it's like, I didn't do that. You know, it's just like, and I was in, I mean, you remember, I was super meticulous, man. Every record I bought, I put in a, in a dust sleeve, I labeled them, you know? So, I mean, I was, I was crazy about that stuff, but, um, uh, you know, as things go, I mean, you know, I was able to, sell my stuff, get a good profit. You know, uh, like I said, Dan over at, um, at uh, vinyl paradise took great care of me. So shout out to him. Uh, you know, he's awesome. He still does some like pop-up stuff too on, on the Island every so often, but final game is, is strong, man. It's still going strong. You know, I, I, every time I go to a show, I always look at the merch table and I always get like a little bit of like PTSD whenever I see a record and I'm like, Oh, should I buy this? And then, I remember Dude, that I so should not. It's buy. crazy how much I've changed in a year because I got out of the vinyl game and then 
I started because I still want to deep down support bands that I love. So I started buying CDs. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> Caitlin's car has like the five CD changer, and like we would just mm-hmm. load up her car with the music that we listened to as like we did errands and stuff. So sure. I started buying CDs for like new releases, and then Devin turned me on to Spotify Premium, and oh, game changer! It is a game changer, dude. I've but had, I've had at Spotify the end of premium the... for like three years, dude, and like I, I don't know what I could do without it. I literally have no idea what I'd do without I it. I didn't think I would listen to more music than I already did, but ever mm-hmm. since getting Spotify Premium, I am listening to way, way more music than I ever did in the past. Mm-hmm. It's just and it's great right... because it's at it's at your fingertips. It's yeah. right at your disposal. You could literally just, you know, listen to a such gold record. And then all of a sudden, like you listen, finish listening to that record, you're like, man, that was cool. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, I want to throw that throw that new Justin Bieber on. And or even or down. even cooler than that is like, you know, you finish your Such Gold record, then right below that, it has related artists. And then all of a sudden, you know, now now oh, Propagandi. I've never listened to Propagandi. Let me throw that on. Oh, Wilhelm Scream is here. That's super cool. Oh, you know, Half Hearted Hero, uh, the Full Blast. So like all these bands that you know. Spotify deems to be similar. Now all of a sudden you've got another avenue to go down, which uh, was one of the things that when I got into this music, like that's what I did in like the MP3.com and Pure Volume days. I would just like go on these binges and just listen to music. But uh, I think that's the greatest thing about Spotify Premium. I'm pumped that it exists. Um, but uh, not to get too long in the teeth on this, because obviously you've got a super awesome interview with Nate that you know we want to make sure that you listen to and. You don't want to listen to us nerds just talk about nerdy nonsense and <laughs> whatever nerd shit we do. So uh, on that note, uh, I will say that, uh, like I said, this interview was super cool. Uh, really pumped to have uh, Nate from Such Gold on, and uh, we really hope you enjoy the interview. And, uh, you know, we'll be back soon with uh, with some other cool stuff. And on that note, I think you have uh, something to say. Yes. I think my, my friend... I, I hear you coughing, so I I, <laughs> I want to make sure that I I bless you and give you a good farewell if this is the last time I talk to you. So. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> so, Tom, peace be with you, man. Also...
Just 